listening to Theology and Apologetics with Thomas Fretwell. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope everyone has had a good new year and a good Christmas season because obviously the holidays are a busy time and I think in the new year sometimes we need to have a moment of reflection. We need to come back and focus our hearts and our minds upon who God is. So we're going to begin the 2018 podcasts by a study of Exodus chapter 20, in particular looking at the first commandment. We all know Exodus 20, it's a very famous passage, obviously it's the Ten Commandments. Now the Ten Commandments are probably the most influential law code in the history of the world. There are other ancient Near Near East law codes, but the Ten Commandments are clearly the most influential. No other document has had such an impact on Western civilization. The legal systems of Charlemagne, uh, who was the ruler of the Frankish Empire, and Alfred the Great in, in England, both of these included the Ten Commandments, like uh, most of European common law today references the uh, Ten Commandments. You'll see these commandments all over buildings and courtrooms across the world today. And we are going to focus our study on the first commandment. So let's turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 20, and we'll read the first three verses and we'll make some comment from there. It reads, Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So verse 2 is the first, first thing we're going to look at here. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You see, this this comment here serves as an introduction to the entire law code, this famous law code, the the Mosaic Covenant, and it starts off by saying, I am the Lord your God. This first statement is one of identification, and I find this interesting today, and as we come into 2018, I believe we need identification more than ever. In an age like this, we need to know identification about God and also about ourselves. You see, we do live in the uh, the social media generation, and one of the things that social media has enabled is that everyone can have an opinion on anything, and they can air that opinion. Now, obviously, I uphold free speech, but the problem is, with this, what I've seen online is that suddenly everyone becomes an expert, and they're giving their opinions on everything from God to what God is like, to the things that God doesn't mind or likes to do, and ultimately, there's no authority. You see, when everyone is an expert, there is no ultimate authority. It is ruled by the opinions of men. And in our culture, we have a political correctness that demands certain things of us. We don't judge other people's opinions. Such is our culture. Really, the culture and the standard is set by the standards of political correctness. Often we see the way this affects interpretations of God. We lower God to be in tune with our own moral standards and therefore he is not offended by what we do. This is not going to work. When it comes to God and who he is, no other opinion is necessary. God alone has the right to define who he is and he has done that in the Holy Scriptures. And the first commandment here is an acknowledgement and a recognition that he is the Lord, our God. You notice the word Lord there is all in capital letters. This is the, the Hebrew tetragrammaton, yud Hey vav Hey in Hebrew, the, the Yahweh is often pronounced. This name is the covenant-keeping God of Israel. It's the covenant-keeping God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the God 
who was present at the burning bush when he called Moses, who said to him, Take off your shoes, you are standing on holy ground. This is the Holy One, the Eternal One, the Immortal One, the Holy One, the Righteous One. This is God. He is the Lord of hosts. It is he who is so set apart, no one or anything can compare to him. He is the one who is enthroned in the heavenlies. He's surrounded by multitudes of heavenly hosts, crying out to him day and night, Holy, holy, holy are you. Every breath you take is given by virtue of his sovereign grace. He is the one who created all things by the word of his power, and he upholds all things together. This is God, and this is how he reveals himself to us. It is our job to accept it. And we learn to love who he is when we come into relationship with him. In Exodus chapter 19, you see that amazing scene, which in preparation for the giving of the law on Sinai, where God warns Moses to set bounds around the mountain to make sure that people who are not sanctified do not come up and gaze upon the holiness of the Lord, lest they be consumed. This is the God of Israel. And you notice in verse 3, he reminds them of his actions. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. They were obviously, the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. We can read the narrative in the book of Genesis. And now Moses was called and he led them out. And ultimately they will go to the promised lands. But this statement connects the entire giving of the law with the entire Exodus narrative. Connects it. So you have the plagues, the call of Moses, the crossing of the Red Sea, the defeat of Pharaoh, and everything that you read through the the, the wonderful books of Genesis and, and Exodus And now we come to this point in Sinai, the giving of the law. You see, God is a God of action. He is always working to bring about his purposes. And and his purposes span the entire world. Personally, he is always working in our lives. Even if we don't feel like he is, God is there and he is not silent. Let's read verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. You see, the ancient world was filled with polytheism. This is the belief that there are many gods. We we find this with the Greek pantheon of gods, with the Egyptian gods, and in um, kind of Middle Eastern or Eastern, like Hinduism religions today, still have multitudes of gods. And often we find that these gods are really small gods. They often create themselves, they have sex with each other, they're very controlling, they're petty, they're immoral, they fight with each other. If we're honest, these are gods clearly made in our own image. They represent man more than they do God. It kind of reminds me a little bit today of what we have in the Marvel Universe. You have Thor fighting Loki and Superman and all these different uh, wonderful figures, but they're doing things that are really just like men, except with special powers. This is really what the, the ancient gods were often like. Now you see, God now commands the Israelites to worship him alone. He is the only true God. Now, the, the phrase that we find here is a negative of a Hebrew expression that came to mean to have a relationship with. Obviously, it's used in the negative sense here, but it went on in the Hebrew language to become an idiom for marriage. And marriage was later used as a, a way to describe God's covenant relationship with Israel. You see, the most intimate of all relationships became the analogy for God's relationship with his people. The commandment implies there are to be no third parties in a person's relationship with God, just as there is in marriage. You see, no pursuing anyone or anything else for their affection if it takes away from from your partner in marriage or or in your relationship with God. We need to take note of this. What fills our heart? 
what fills our affections, what do we desire, because if they fill our heart, it will fill our time and it will fill our mind, and ultimately when these things are filled with something else, they will supplant the purpose and the place of God where he should have preeminence in our life. We need to understand that. I believe that's a message for 2018. The Bible here in this first commandment is clearly teaching what we call monotheism. This is the belief that there is one God. The Bible clearly teaches it. The famous creed of monotheism that the Jewish people have, Deuteronomy 6.5, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Deuteronomy 4.39, Know therefore today and take to your heart, the Lord, he is God in heaven above and on earth below, there is no other. I am the first and I am the last, and there is no God besides me, it says in Isaiah 44, verse 6, the book of Isaiah. I am the first and I am the last. Now, obviously we understand that Jesus later applies these um, designations to himself, clearly proving that he is the one true God. In this verse, some people object that it, is it an implicit um, acknowledgement that there are other gods? This is not the case at all. It's not an admission that other gods actually existed and he just wanted to be first among them. It is a statement that acknowledges the belief in the culture that other gods exist, but it is also a refutation of that belief at the same time. And again, this is another very important reminder to us as we head into the new year. We do not want to be tempted and influenced to try to fit in with the culture because that will destroy the uniqueness and the witness of the church and your, your personal devotional life. We are to be salt and light to the culture. Our light is to shine before men and we are to be salt and light. Okay, That means we are a preservative and we also show people the way. Obviously it's Christ working this through us by his spirit. You see, if we cave in to the culture, we lose our saltiness. And the Bible says, Matthew 6, what good is that then? Nothing. We cannot preserve if we model ourselves on the culture. We are to model ourselves on the calling that we have in Scripture, on the authority of the Word of God. You see, the culture tells us plenty of things. At the moment, the culture loves to tell us things about what it considers truth. It'll tell us about God. It loves to pontificate about ethics and what God does and does not like. This commandment refutes all of that. It is a clear and direct reminder speaking to us today to stand firm on the true identification of who God is and to understand that the word of God is what God has spoken. He is the one true God of Israel. And I think on a very personal level, it does remind us that we shouldn't place anything in a superior position to God. Every area of our life must be brought into obedience. Let me read you a quote from a book called Chorev. It's a, it's a Hebrew book. Um, the deal that just comments on this first commandment quote it says I the Lord am your God means that I am your creator your lawgiver your judge the director of your thoughts your feelings your words and your action every one of your internal and external possessions has come to you from my hand every breath of your life has been apportioned to you by me look upon yourself and all that is yours as my property and devote yourself wholly to me be the instrument of my will and so join freely the choir of creation as my creature, my servant. It's a wonderful quotation there. And we find those sort of sentiments echoed in the world in the words of Paul, that we are to offer ourselves as living sacrifices to God. Now this is wonderful. Yet we also know from the New Testament perspective, as members of the New Covenant, that the this first covenant had some very specific purposes in mind. One of these was to show us, in fact, our sin. 
Romans 7, 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law, for I would not have known anything about coveting if the law had not said, you shall not covet. It's one of the purposes of the law. The, another one is to point us to Christ. Galatians 3.24 Therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. You see, just as Moses was the mediator of the Mosaic Covenant, Jesus is now the mediator of the New Covenant. And the parallels you find when you understand this are beautiful. You see, obviously it was Moses who went up to the mountain to receive and teach the law of God. This is why oftentimes in the New Testament you find like the Sermon on the Mount, the Mount of Olives. Jesus, when he is giving the words of the New Covenant, he will often be on a mountain. The parallels here between for, for the Israeli nation. Hebrews 8 verse 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. You see, the death of Christ, which ratified the New Covenant, from which we secure our spiritual blessings, which secures us our forgiveness and our relationship with him, Christ today, as the one true God, bids you to enter into that living relationship with him. And we need to understand who he is. And this is the message of the first commandment. I am the Lord your God, and you shall have no other gods before me. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please go to thomasfretwell.com.